Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you.
Hi, I'm Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith, and it is such a joy to be with you today. It's the fourth Sunday in Advent, late in December, and we are preparing for the celebration of Jesus' birth with cookie baking and tree decorating and carol singing. Some of us with beloved family around us in person or on Zoom or through memories. Long ago, Mary prepared for the coming of Jesus, and Mary, too, ran to be with a beloved family member, her elderly cousin, Elizabeth. We'll hear today about what happened as Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house and the great song that was shared. As you listen, pay attention to Mary's song, the tenses of the verbs and the powerful witness of what God has done and is doing. Our reading is from Luke chapter 1, verse 39, And we jump into the story just after the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she will be giving birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And young Mary says courageously, Yes, here I am. Let it be so with me. A reading from Luke. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear the Lord from generation to generation. God has shown strength and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped Israel in remembrance of God's mercy according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. My maternal grandmother, Velma, was a remarkable musician. She played organ for her church, And in her small Nebraskan town and at home, she would play the piano just beautifully well. My grandmother loved to play hymns. And not just any hymns, she would play these grand arrangements of hymns with these big chords across the keyboards, enormous arpeggios. She was a small woman, but she could make the biggest, grandest sounds come out of that piano. My favorite, and I think hers too, was uh, a song she played all the time at Christmas time, this arrangement of Silent Night. 
She played it so often that she had it copied and taped in the back of her Reader's Digest Christmas songs book that had all the Christmas hymns and tunes she would play. It was this dramatic and beautiful rendition of Silent Night, and I loved hearing her play it. My grandmother Velma died when I was in college, but we inherited her piano music, and so at Christmas time we would pull out that Reader's Digest Christmas book and sing all the songs, Winter Wonderland and other hymns, and at the back was Silent Night, and so I'd play it or tried to every year. I remember one December afternoon when my kids were tiny. It was a hard season. I was exhausted and overwhelmed from working and parenting two tiny ones. And I pulled out that Christmas book to sing songs with my kids, Christmas carols with my kids, who were not as excited about this moment as I was. And so we quickly passed singing Christmas carols and they went back to playing and I decided to play Grandma's silent night. I remember sitting there at our piano, exhausted and weary, as I played this beautiful and sort of sappy grand arrangement. And as I played, I thought of my grandma, whose faith sustained her, even when things were really so hard for her. And as I played, I thought of my own mom and her compassion and her courage. And I thought of all those people who I have sung Silent Night with over the years, here at St. Paul and at a little church in Russia and New Jersey and Minnesota and Colorado. Somehow in that moment, singing Silent Night, playing Silent Night, I didn't feel quite so alone. As I played those grand arpeggios and chords, I felt like I was sort of embraced by a much bigger song generations of a melody of which I was only one small part, but a part of nonetheless. And that just as God took care of those women who had gone before me and my family and so many others, God would take care of me through that season. And as I played, I heard my tiny preschool daughter playing Duplos, but singing along with me singing that silent night, unaware that I could even hear her. I thought that, it's kind of crazy, I know, but I thought that it was as if she knew beyond her even knowing that she was a part of this great song too. In that moment, I heard and thought of the ways that God had been faithful to those who have gone before me. God was faithful to me now in those moments and would be into our future, into my own daughter's future still so unwritten. These songs, this great big song, I think is part of why so many of us love this time of year, why it's so hard for many of us who grieve. It's a time so rich with traditions and rituals that connect us to all those who have gone before us. We sing our grandparents' favorite carols. We make our aunts' famous cookies. We eat food from great-grandpa's recipe book. These traditions pull us into our memories of them, wrap us up in the smells, the sounds, the love that they continue to bring to us. And these traditions are powerful gifts to us, in large part because they remind us that we aren't alone. With all of life's joys and struggles, we are not alone in this moment of time, 
not some solitary, unique island, but we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Our looking back helps us to look forward with courage and with hope. And for us as people of faith, these traditions, the carols we sing, even our cookies, <laughs> remind us of God's faithfulness to those previous generations. And just as God was faithful to them, God will remain so with us and for generations to come. In so many ways, I think this is the gift that Elizabeth gave to Mary so long ago. At first, Mary was just alone. Gabriel had come to her, interrupted her doing the laundry to tell her that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And as Gabriel heads back to heaven, Mary is alone, alone with this incredible news, this mission, and the terrifying and beautiful future ahead of her. And so Mary does what all of us do, what many of us do when we hear life-changing, terrifying, world-altering news. We go to find someone we can trust to share it with. But that someone wasn't Mary's neighbor or grandmother who lived upstairs. That someone was Mary's cousin, much older cousin, Elizabeth, 80 miles away, we think. And so Mary ran with haste at far distance to be with this one woman who herself had experienced a miraculous baby, miraculous at her old age. Mary trusted that Elizabeth would welcome her when others didn't, might believe her strange story of this conception of a child, might give her refuge. And so Mary ran with haste to Elizabeth, and when she walks through the door of her house, Elizabeth runs to her with joy, already knowing somehow the goodness that Mary carries in her womb, the promise given to her. And Elizabeth says, blessed are you. How could I be so lucky as to have the mother of my Lord come to me? And inside Elizabeth, tiny baby John the Baptist did somersaults. And this older, honored, respected woman, Elizabeth, affirms this young, peasant, unwed mother Mary. Elizabeth confirmed the words Gabriel said, connected Mary's impossibly beautiful story with her own story, with God's story, with the story of so many others. And it was in this moment, in the company of the trusted one, encouraging older woman, with someone who helped her make sense of all that was happening to her, it was in that moment that Mary bursts into song. My soul magnifies the Lord. God has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. She sings about how God has been faithful for generations, how God will bring good things to the world, how God has already brought good things to the world. She sings of this great joy to come, that the hungry are fed, that the poor are cared for, the proud and greedy cast down from their thrones, the lowly lifted up, the haughty brought down. She sings of this great goodness of, that God brings to all people, especially those most in need of it. It's a song full of such hope. It's full of such hope that God brings about God's promised future. It's so full of hope and trust that Mary sings this song of hope of the future work of God in the past, 
tense. She sings of the future work of God in the past tense. God has brought down. God has filled the hungry with good things. God has done great things for me. With this baby Jesus just beginning to grow inside her, Mary tells tells of how God has already done these great things. God has already brought down this goodness we are longing for. She sings of her dreams already coming true. And I think she sings this way of God's work already having happened, not because she was oblivious to the pain and the struggle and the hunger around her. She is Mary, after all, a poor, young, and unwed pregnant mother, cruelty and exile waiting for her, for this shame, a shame she doesn't experience. Of course, she knows the sufferings of being human in this world, but still she sings this song. Still she sings this song of hope. And I think it's because of Elizabeth. Maybe that song, the Magnificat we just sang, began as a solo, but I'm pretty convinced that it became a duet. She could sing that song because she wasn't alone. Mary was embraced, affirmed by this older woman who helped Mary see herself as part of this great big story. Together they remembered the character of God, this continued, repeated action of what God has done, that God does amazing things for God's people. This is just what God does. And it's true for us, too. We need each other. We need the memories of one another, need generations of us together to remember where we've been and what God has done for us and through us and with us. And in those memories, we can act today with new courage, trusting in a bold and beautiful future. Faith isn't the song we sing solo, but sung together, ancient melodies made new. And my goodness, we need each other. We need it. These are hard days. There is enormous grief we carry. Our anxieties are massive. The challenges facing this planet and our neighborhoods are so big. Things are not easy. Our lives are messy. And this is why we need these ancient prayers to sing these carols again and again because they help us remember how God has made light in darkness, hasn't failed us yet, has raised up leaders and brought healing, has brought people like Mary into the world to act with courageous faith. Our collective memory can be our shared hope. And we have this God who is even now doing amazing things. Through you, God has filled the hungry with good things. God has brought comfort to the brokenhearted in our own communities. God has lifted up the lowly, healed the broken, liberated those bound up. Even now, God is doing those things we dream and pray for God to do in this world. But still we pray and we long and we dream for a new future. We wait with eager longing for the fulfillment of these dreams of abundant life and freedom for all people. We await this coming of the Savior. We long for this day when all will be made right. 
And so, as we still wait, we also sing a song of God's future goodness in the past tense. Let's join the song of Mary and Elizabeth. Let's sing of God's faithfulness through the generations. And like Elizabeth, let's sing about the ways that we see Christ present in the lives of those around us, being voices of encouragement and memory for other people. And like Mary, let's sing of this promised future in the past tense, trusting with the deepest hope that God has done great things in us and for us and for all of God's people. We are, after all, part of this great big song with big chords and grand arpeggios sung by God's people for generations and generations. And this can be our hope. God has been faithful to us and is faithful to us now and will be faithful to us and this world forever. Amen. Now we turn to God in prayer, saying those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that we may abound in hope, held in this great eternal song of joy. Through Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.